Welcome back to Not Your Average Feminist. This is Sarah. And this is Amanda. And we are very excited to kick it off because we took a little hiatus during quarantine. Me. <laughs> uh, because uh, we've recorded episodes since our last one. They just all um, were experiencing technical difficulties we found out afterwards. So we are... Um, Six feet apart from each other, <laughs> but we are in Amanda's bedroom. This and is true. I'm, you know, knock on wood, this actually works. So we don't just spend Fingers crossed. a couple other hours just talking amongst ourselves, which is basically all we do anyways yeah. on this thing. Anyways, so we want to not talk about COVID-19 and we thought, you know what would be a great topic? Let's talk about Karen's. It's a lighter topic than COVID nineteen. <laughs> They've kind of had a resurgence during the last two months. Yep, a lot of a lot of a lot of name calling around mm-hmm. Karens. So I want to talk about Karens. I think it's only appropriate considering we are two white women. Let's talk about Karens. Yeah, let's confront it head on. Mm-hmm. So, um, so first of all, if you don't understand what we're talking about straight away, give a little background. Here's some background. Uh, a Karen is really a meme. This is not about people named Karen. Uh, the origin of this meme <clears throat> is really a haircut. It's real. It's a vibe. It's a woman who wants to speak to your manager. Um, and if you're asking what what is a what is the Karen haircut, <laughs> let me explain. It's basically a woman wearing a women. And this is a very specific look. Uh, wearing the same short, angled, and layered haircut. This would also be accompanied by, you know, very harsh blonde highlights, and the hair in the back of your head is shorter than it is in the front. Very so classic cut. It, this was a very, like, early 2000s <laughs> oh, yeah. look. Yeah. Um, and you know who the woman is in that photo, right? In the meme? Oh, is that, like, I think it's or? I think it's Kate Gosselin. Like the um, John and Kate plus eight. Oh, the eight. Yeah. From like the early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was her hair. That's her haircut. So yeah, it's uh, a Karen. Which is, is hilarious. Best known for, originally known <clears throat> for like a middle-aged, middle-aged white woman um, who just kind of punches down on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So um, we all know a Karen. Oh, be yeah. A former boss. An awful classmate in high school, anyone who's ever worked in a service industry, and it might even be your own mother. Um, but um, just just for example, um, I, I pulled a couple of funny memes from online, and I'm just going to read them to you for context. So, hmm. these are reasons why Karen tips 10% and still wants to speak to your manager. Because uh, she couldn't get a booth and was forced to sit at a table... Karen, that happens. Oh, her coupon expired, and uh, the server smiled at her husband. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, this uh, from my research. Yes, I did research on this. Uh, this is very like Black American internet culture, um, and it's just come to kind of it's resurfaced because uh, a lot has happened during COVID, <clears throat> where. Um, People keep calling other people Karens. And so, and I find it funny because it's like two sides or yeah, two sides of the same yeah. point. You have the person who is using um, 
this is an opportunity to police neighbors. So like, oh, you're not wearing a mask. I'm going to, uh, I don't know, call somebody about you. Uh, and then you have the other type of Karen who refuses to take any measures of social distancing into account. So they're both considered Karens? They're both considered Karens. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think it's because, you know, most uh, both sides of, you know, the whole COVID uh, debate would like to think the other side's wrong. So yeah. Karen. They're both just calling each other Karen. Karen is on both sides. <laughs> but it's, it's hilarious. It's, but it's the annoying. Yeah, like, like the kind of like the busy body, like in your face, mm-hmm. annoying, where you could easily just like take the high road and walk away. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I, my husband <clears throat> and I have been calling people Karens <laughs> during this whole ordeal. And actually that's what like sparked this idea in the first place. Um, but I thought it was interesting um Cause it got me thinking cause so much stuff has been happening over the last two months, but I thought it would be very interesting considering we are two white women mm-hmm. to talk about the Karen stereotype, how it might be present in our own lives and how this might transcend to like other um, issues that everyone's talking about right now. White privilege, uh, Racial racism. and racism, racial uh, justice, all this kind of stuff. So I was like, you know, there's some there's some Karen underlying things here. So um, <laughs> I found this article called How Not to Be a Karen. And it's just kind of like about being introspective in understanding why the Karen impulse is human. Mm-hmm. We've all had Karen explosions at one point or another. But... Um, these are some great things. So, uh, ask yourself, is it worth the fuss? Just kind of like count to 10. Something bad happens to you. Do you really need to honk your horn at somebody who caught you, cut you off? Yeah. Do you really need to rush around a slow driver who might just be enjoying the scenery on a Sunday (laughs) morning? Just vent your anger elsewhere. Just try to be a happier person. Another, uh, tip is let someone else take charge. Do you really need another responsibility? <laughs> I do not. <laughs> That's going to be super hard for the Karens we know. Yes. Uh, just uh, let someone else take charge and, you know, ask yourself, if I take this on, is this really going to fulfill me? Probably not. I feel like most Karens take on more stuff just so they complain about yeah. how much stuff they have. Um, and then, oh, uh, have empathy towards other people. Mm-hmm. Think this is key, and then um, <laughs> try a new hairdo. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Um, so don't be a Karen, guys. Um, an instance, we've all been there. We've all been there. Uh, just suppress your urge, <laughs> urge to be mean and punch down, and just take a chill pill. Um, so this. There is an instance earlier this week, um, and I think this is a classic Karen instance, and Amanda actually has a... Are you going to bring up the Central Park thing? Yeah. This is, okay, this is where it gets a little serious. Amanda has a funny twist to this. Yeah. Um, So, in Central Park earlier this week, um, there was a lady 
by the name of Amy Cooper. And this went viral. Oh, this was super viral. Okay, yeah. yeah. She had a dog in Central Park. Her dog was off leash. Just side note, if you're in a city and you have a dog, please keep your dog on a leash for crying out loud. Anyways, this guy, who was a bird watcher, his name was Christian Cooper, no relation, um, rolls up, trying to, like, see some birds, sees his dog, like, off leash, and asks her to leash him. Amy says no. Uh, Christian apparently said fine. Whatever, and, like, gave her dog a treat or something, which, like, he totally pissed her off. So she freaks out. He starts recording her, which makes her even more angry that she's being recorded. And then, um, so at this point, like, she's, like, she has leashed her dog up, but she, like, starts, like, like, storming towards him. And he was, like, yo, back away, back away. I don't, like, get away from me. (laughs) Yeah, it's all on video. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, and then she goes, um... I'm going to call the cops and tell them that an African-American man is threatening me. Yeah. So by the time she actually, she she makes good on her threat. She calls, she ends up saying something more like an African-American man is threatening my dog. Yeah. So like slight de-escalation there, but she makes good on the threat. And obviously this is super racist and nasty since you can tell in just the tone She's implied like she emphasizes African American man. Yeah, well, so this is actually pretty serious. And like it went viral for a reason. Mm-hmm. And she called the cops knowing that when someone showed up, she as a white woman would get the benefit of the doubt and he as a black male would not. Yeah. I mean, that's a, like that's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And uh there were some really good comparison pieces. Well, I mean, a lot of good content on this afterwards, but it, it got me thinking. And I was, I mean, obviously universal, universally you, you see this and you're like, wow, that's racist the for sure. Is, that's yeah. bad. Um, and and of, everyone was calling her like the ultimate Karen, right? Yeah. Like to tie it back to the Karen thing. Yeah. Punching down. Like she's in the wrong. She's got a freaking dog off leash. You're not mm-hmm. supposed to have dog off leash. Anyways. So, um, many people have pointed to this situation as a catalyst for racially charged instances like we've seen with, say, George Floyd in Minnesota and Ahmed Ar- Arbery in Georgia. Um, just this... Well, just, like, a lot j- of stuff happening at the same time. It's, like, these are the types of... The reason why black men end up dying is because of the underlying, like, what she is implying in her calling the cops and using race as, like, this, like, catalyst Call for, for force. For force. And yeah. I was like, you know what? This, and it just, everything is just happening and everyone's talking about it. So I was just like, I agree. Mm-hmm. But Amanda. No, I thought that I disagree. Okay. Like, I, I think the phone call to the cops and her behavior that was captured on camera is obviously disgusting like we can all agree with that where I have a slightly different opinion is in the behavior of Christian Cooper the bird watcher dude um because I think he displayed some Karen tendencies as well and because like Here's where he could have practiced some empathy, okay? 
you we've all been like shut indoors we've all been dealing with quarantine they obviously live in new york city i'm making the assumption that they both live in like small apartments um and as like okay yes you're in central park it's a public park are you supposed to have your dog on a leash yes on the other hand can we be a little bit more understanding right now towards a dog owner who has decided to take her dog off leash when um when we've all been through what we've just been through as a country quarantining in our tiny condos and apartments or whatever um and from where i can you know from everything we know so far they weren't hurting anyone the dog wasn't crazy the dog wasn't hurting anybody wasn't running around they were minding their own business as far as we know obviously this is based on just what we know yeah they were minding their own business she just happened to have her dog off leash yeah um i think he might have who knows if it scares birds away or whatever i'm sure maybe that was probably part of the issue he's a bird watcher um I can totally see where a dog off-leash would scare away birds that he wanted to be watching or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the end of the day, if I'm Christian Cooper, like, she's in a public park. You're in a public park. Neither one of you are entitled to have the park exactly the way you want it when you choose to be there. Mm -hmm. So, like, to me, he could have showed some empathy and understanding with her and not gotten into her face about having her dog off the leash. Because to me, that's a very Karen thing to do. Like, if you're in a public space or you're walking around your neighborhood and someone has their dog off leash, it's very Karen of you to go up to them and be like, excuse me, your dog's not supposed to be off leash. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I see people in my neighborhood have their dogs off leash when they're not supposed to. And I've never once gone up to anyone and like gotten into their face about That's it. That's true. I get annoyed by it. But I, I get never, annoyed by it too. I, would never say I mean I get annoyed by it because nine times out of ten when I see it, I'm with my own dog who is leashed and my dog doesn't do super well um around off leash dogs, especially oh. when she's leashed. Oh yeah. Because she just goes kind of crazy and so I get an, I get really annoyed because that's just like, okay, well, now I have to, like, go out of my way to avoid these people because they're not following the rules. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a Karen would walk up to those people and, like, start to be all, like, luxury and, like, get in their face about it. Mm-hmm. So that's So, to me, that's why Christian Cooper is kind of a Karen also. So, there's that. And then, uh, you know, obviously what we know now... The woman gets defensive. Okay. She she, has, she shouldn't have gotten it defensive. Like, normal, it was Karen of her... Normal reaction would be total embarrassment. Yes. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, or, right or now. just like, be... Or, you know, like, fine, okay, I'll put my dog on a freaking leash, make you happy, whatever. But just, like own the fact that you are breaking the rules you get you get called out whether you like being called out or not just admit admit it put your dog on a leash and like move on yeah so she obviously didn't do that which was a mistake a huge mistake um 
But then I also just feel like at every step in this point, like they both could have made better choices. Yeah. He could have not been a Karen and just decided to maybe go find another place to watch birds and not approached her about one rule that she broke. Um, and then when she got defensive again, he could have just taken the high road and moved on and moved on. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, according to his own Facebook post about it, he, he said something to her like, and I'll put this in show notes. According in his own words, he was like, well, if you're going to do whatever you want, I'm going to do whatever I want and you won't like it. And he pulled out a dog treat, which it's kind of weird that he doesn't have a dog and was not with a dog, but had dog treats. Right? <laughs> Never even thought about that. Like, why did he have dog treats in his pocket hmm. as a non-dog owner? So he pulled out dog treats and... I wonder if this is, like, such a common thing that so many people have their dogs off leash to where he was finally, like, he... So that thought crossed my mind. Like, maybe there's... There's got to be some other or kind maybe, of weird dynamic at play maybe here. It's not weird. Maybe it's just he's a nice guy and he spends a lot of time maybe. in the park. And so, like, when he sees a dog on a leash, he's maybe. Like, oh, hi. Maybe. Goes. But the thought did cross my mind. You don't have a dog. Why do you have dog treats? So I feel like there's definitely some context we're missing. Okay. Like, there's there's got to be some kind of dynamic. Like, why did he have dog treats? I don't know. Maybe it's because he likes to lure dogs away. Maybe it's because he just loves dogs. I have no idea. But regardless, it made me think. If I was kind of getting into a confrontation with someone in a public space and they took out a dog treat and tried to lure my dog away from me, I would become livid. If I was in a weird confrontation with that Right, person. if I was in yeah. a weird com- confrontation already, I would become absolutely livid if I felt like the person I was in a confrontation with male female black white or whatever decided to try to lure my dog away with a treat I'm not saying that justifies what she did at all but I do think Mr. Christian Cooper is a little bit of a Karen like he could have walked away he could have also, that's kind of ingenious now that I'm thinking about it. Maybe I should do this for other <laughs> Like, he could have shown some empathy or been like, fine, it's not that big of a deal. And then I feel like I have a big, I hate it when I see people pull out their phones. This is a personal pet peeve, regardless of this incident. I just think, like, we're so quick to pull out our phones and start recording people and I hate that about, like, I like us having iPhones and everything. I just, I, I don't like that as a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? As a, uh, like, a thing about our culture now is that, like, everyone pulls out their phones to record stuff that they don't, like, behavior that they don't like or whatever to shame people. Um, like, why did the dude take out his cell phone to record her? That's an escalation. And he obviously, he should have known that he was dealing with a woman who is, like, very difficult. <laughs> so, like, to pull out your phone and then start recording. I, look. I feel like I'm not defend, I, I really don't want to come I, across like I'm defending her <laughs> because I don't want to be defending her. I'm just saying both of them 
made choices that escalated the situation and it resulted in her doing a horrible thing. Yeah. And, it, but it wouldn't have ended. I don't think that would have happened if he also would have just been like, okay, I'm just going to walk away. Well, yeah, if he walks away, sure. But because she gets all like freaked out. I mean, if I'm a black man and I got a white lady maybe. coming at me, I'm going to record that too. <laughs> that's Okay, yeah, that's a good point. Like, maybe he was like, I got to protect myself. Yeah. Because so I don't know what she's going to tell people later. Yeah, exactly. I could totally see that as well. I think it's more of just like a self. Because even to his own credit, like, when he went on CNN, CNN or whatever, he was like, I had no, um, he, he had no, um, desire for this to blow up and be like a thing yeah it was just more like it just happened to go viral um and i'm not like if if we have to take sides i'm obviously on his side i'm just saying like maybe more than anything aside from the like racial stuff that we can talk about like the big lesson from this whole incident is just like be kinder to people yeah like, just walk away, or maybe just have a little bit more grace mm-hmm. and understanding, even when you're annoyed, to just, like, not get up in people's faces. And then, if, and then if someone does call you out, like, swallow your pride and say, okay, my bad. Mm-hmm. So this goes, this is, um, I think this is really good. So, like, um, speaking of de-escalating. Uh-huh. There are two instances um, that resulted in death, murder. Um, George Flynn and Ahmed Arbery. Yeah. And uh, first of all, I just want to start by sharing our condolences to the friends and family of both of these men. It's just terrible. Um, um, Ahmed was on a run uh, through his uh, Georgia neighborhood when... He was chased down by um, some vigilantes that decided to be the judge, jury, and executioner. Um, Don't know why. Pretty horrible stuff. Pretty horrible stuff. And then uh, George Flynn uh, was murdered in the streets at the hands of incredibly, like, graphic police brutality. Yeah. being choked out on the streets and then later died in police custody. So... What I kind of want to talk about, like, is, well, first of all, let's take a step back. Anybody who's alive right now, we got nothing to do and nowhere to go. So everyone is talking about these two things. And um, one thing that I've seen over and over again is, uh, and this isn't new, but it's the specifically calling on white women to be vocal or to do something or uh, whatever. To be better. Um, Be better. Yes, do better. And so I don't post about politics on um, my social. I try to keep that a place for just, you know, babies, memes, friends, dogs, that kind of stuff. Um, But I talk about this with my friends and I've been reading a lot about it, and honestly, I just I don't hear women on the right, on the record, having these conversations, and that's why I really just wanted to talk about this kind of stuff. Um, 
one one thing that I one theme I've been seeing over and over again over the last couple of years, you know, anytime I go into you know deep introspection on this is I just see a lot of people of color that just keep stressing over and over again. It is not their job to educate white people on oppression and racism and stop making us do the work. Don't X or don't, um, like that's not on us. That's on you. Mm -hmm. And so I was looking at lots of resources on this, um, concept of white space where white people are reading, uh, black people of color literature, watching films, uh, doing all this kind of stuff and talking to one another about, uh, privilege and white supremacy and just kind of the basic concepts there. And, you know, I've changed a lot over the last couple of years because I think my initial gut reaction was to, uh, be offended because, mm -hmm. uh, the language just seems so harsh it was basically like every white person is a racist, mm -hmm. whether you think you are or you aren't. And I'm like, whoa, okay, hi. Yeah. <laughs> you have a conversation with me? I feel like you're telling me I'm a bad person right now. But the more I kept reading about it, the more I was like, okay, I, I get what they're saying. Yeah. Everything is racist. I can't think about myself without also, like, if you were to strip away my whiteness in my femininity mm -hmm. who am I both of those things are such a huge part of me yeah we can, as people we can't help but associate with our ethnic you know god-given background, background and just and like physical traits and physical traits and yeah whatever so I think it's <clears throat> when we talk about racism if we can just start start there mm -hmm. I feel like that makes things a lot more easy to ease into a conversation <clears throat> it's it's most I, I think most people hear racist and think I am not that because right, racist is really defensive racist equals bad person and I'm not a bad person yeah and the first thing you need to do is divorce those two yeah right? those it, it is it is not necessarily the same thing true and I think it's it's more helpful to approach conversations about this from that angle rather than what I think those of us on the right did for a really long time, which was, oh, I don't see color. Yeah. Like, I don't see color. I'm not a racist because I don't see color. Yeah. Well, okay. That's also, not helpful because, <laughs> because <laughs> that's not helpful. Like, it's a, it's, it's a sentiment that is supposed to be helpful, mm -hmm. but it's not. Because we all know that it's BS. You do see color. Everyone sees color. And when you say that to a person of color, it's just insulting. Yeah. Because it's not that they don't want to be seen as their, you full know. Self. Full selves. It's just recognize who I am and be okay with it. Yeah. Like, recognize that I am a African-American or I'm a black person or I'm Latino or whatever. And don't treat me any differently because of it. Yeah. So, I think... Those of us on the right, particularly us females, coming at this, you know, now with a perspective of, perspective of, like you were saying, like we all embrace our backgrounds and our, our ethnicities just because it's part of our identity. And so acknowledging that and that's where, is, is a better place to start. And that's where another term I'm going to throw in that most people recoil from on the right 
white privilege yeah. comes into play. You hear that and you're like, um, I've had a tough life. I still have a tough life. Yeah. I work crazy hours. My life hasn't been easy, whatever, whatever. How can I be privileged? I'm not rich. Yeah. Um, and it's not, that's not what it means. Right. White privilege is not saying that you are, you haven't ever been. It uh, doesn't mean that you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth. Yes. What it it can mean that, but it, it doesn't just mean that. Yes. What it means is your skin color has never been one of the reasons why you've had a hard life. Yes. That is basically what they're trying to say. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, so, and again, I think it's really easy to get defensive. Yeah. And to be like, oh, you're just judging me. You don't even know me. Like, I have worked. I struggle, blah, 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 whatever. But again, it's kind of missing the point. Yeah. Exactly. It's kind of like um, when Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. uh, matters, like, uh, first came on the scene. Mm-hmm. I don't know, what, a decade or so ago? Um, I remember, but yeah. Yeah, sorry. I did not push up on my BLM history. Um, but... So many people, white people, I'm not even going to make this a political thing. It's mostly, (laughs) mostly on the right, but uh, anyways, um, they were like, uh, no, all lives matter. Mm -hmm. And again, they're not saying your life doesn't matter. They're not saying like people don't matter. Mm -hmm. The only reason they're using that terminology is because like time and time again, they feel like their lives do not matter. Yeah. So that was why they were rallying around each other to bring attention to the fact that there was racial injustice in their, in society, in uh, profiling. Like systemic, law, law systemic racism. Yeah, like, uh, you know, stuff that is, like, bubbled over from Jim Crow, from segregation, from, like, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, this is kind of a side note, but when you think about it, like we're not really that far removed from like segregationist era policies. No, not at all. I mean, our parents were born during it. Yeah. And we are not old. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you remember um, our basketball coach? Which one? Uh, of course I forget his name. Coach um, Stewart? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. Not him. The uh, older one. That was Coach Stewart. Was it him? Okay. Yeah. Okay, anyways. Uh, he... <laughs> Uh, this is a super tangent for everybody else. I'm I, so excited to see where you go with this. Remember when he, he played on a basketball team in high school? I don't know if this was South Carolina or North Carolina, but there was a Jewish uh, guy on his team and a Catholic okay. on his team. And the newspapers called their team the United Nations. What? Because that was the most diverse high school team the state had ever seen, basically. I don't... Did he tell you that story? Yeah. I don't remember that. That's crazy. Because <laughs> it was years later where I realized, I was like, wait. That's so weird. So they were all white. white. <laughs> so it was, it like, was just based on their religion. Yes. That's weird. Uh, I know. Um, but... So, yes, to, to prove your point. We're like, not that far removed from the time when, like, 
like systemic racism was completely institutionalized and part of everyday life. Yeah. Like, not that it's not to a certain extent now still, but like mm-hmm. where kids were bused to different schools mm-hmm. based on their race. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that just still lingers um, just in the way that because you don't wipe all that out in a generation. You don't. And neighborhoods are formed that yeah. way. Private schools pop up. You know, Whole communities have been yeah. formed based on those policies. Mm-hmm. And so I think for us to just deny, deny, deny that racism is still a problem, like on a broad scale, is just... It's stupid. Well, it's, it's intellectually dishonest, it is, and so we is, should, yes. which is why we want to have these conversations, because we've always prided ourselves on this podcast as being honest and talking about tough issues. Because um, I just don't think it's fair, like, it, it, just to, exactly, it's intellectually dishonest, because how can you say you're a voice of reason if you're going to act like an ostrich and bury your head in the sand when any time an uncomfortable conversation comes up? Right. That, like, and it is uncomfortable, and I get it. It's I get it. It's not easy to confront this stuff. It's super uncomfortable to have these conversations. Um, and, like, whatever. But, I mean, the whole point of this podcast is to say that, is to show that you know, we are, we might happen to be conservatives and we might be like on the right, on the political spectrum, but we're not that much different than the feminists who, you know, are marching in the streets or like have opinions on this stuff. It's just our political philosophies are a little bit different, Mm -hmm. but we still, I mean, we're, there's, there's we're not lot. crazy crackpot. I mean, I do you know where I'm going with this? I'm there's not phrasing it very well. There's a lot well, of overlap. Like, and here's things that, this is why I wish we'd have these discussions because we'd be able to make so much inroads with understanding different communities if we just stopped mm-hmm. fighting and finger, finger pointing and stereotyping and talked about it. So, like, for instance, here's one. Uh, police accountability is a conservative ideal. Yeah. This is why we want small government and less power in the hands of government. Because when you have police unions that keep bad cops in, bury their records, don't discipline them, keep letting them back on the streets, it doesn't, first of all, it does a disservice to good cops, mm-hmm. but an extra disservice to the citizenry that they're supposed to be protecting. Yeah. Like, same thing. Uh, This is why we like to limit the amount of laws. This is why we don't like new rules and regulations. Because if you you limit the amount of interaction the police have with the citizenry, um, there's less, like, chance for it to go awry. Right. And as one of our favorite um, uh, uh, scholars on the right... um, who? Charles Cook. I don't oh. know why I was just stumbling over that. <laughs> Charles Cook. I really, really like him. Like, we totally fangirl about National him. Review. Yes. Uh, he uh, made this point on the most recent editor's podcast. Um, always remember, when you pass a law, you're backing it up with the threat of force, which is ultimately a threat of death. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Yeah. 
like when and this is what like we is so absent from the conversation about like oh we need to pass this this or this law is like when you pass a law or when you are you know especially like on the state like in local levels um if you break a law like the conclusion is that you go to jail well why are you going to be thrown in jail because all laws are backed up with government force mm-hmm. or else the law is meaningless mm-hmm. um and any force or government force ultimately means like threat of death in prison right? or if you resist i mean death. yeah, yeah like i mean yeah. i know that sounds extreme but like just think it through a little bit like we're not saying, I mean, I'm not saying it's right, but, like, that's just the reality of kind of, like, the way the system works. Well, it's and just, like, you don't pay your taxes. They audit you. You don't pay. They put a lien on your house. You don't pay. They mm-hmm. evict you. You refuse to leave. They're going to send cops in to, like, bust you up. Yeah. You refuse to leave then, and you, like, resist You're going to get thrown in jail. You're going to get thrown in jail, or you might get really hurt or die in the process. I mean, or, or just think, like... Um, you know, this comes up in the conversation about taxes all the time. Like, yeah, oh, we voluntarily pay taxes to live in this society and receive benefits. Like, okay, to a certain extent, sure, we voluntarily pay taxes so that we can have, like, fire departments, whatever. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, why do we pay our taxes? Because if we don't, well, we will get thrown in jail. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, that is why we pay taxes. And... You know, and no one, a lot of people, like, just don't want to admit that. Yeah. Or acknowledge that ta- when a new tax is passed, it is enforceable through force yeah. like, with the threat of imprisonment. Every law. So, anyway, mm-hmm. not to get too off topic, but that's kind of, like, your point. Like, um, part of the reason why we favor some, like, limited government is because um, we don't like force. Yeah. We don't like those in power that we vote into office using force against us. Mm-hmm. Another reason why we, uh, like, uh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm so choking up on this stuff. We are um, Second Amendment advocates. Yeah. We believe that citizens have the right to arm themselves to protect themselves against a tyrannical and their government property. and their property and those can they you, love yeah and those they love and can you imagine like what it would look like what a police state would look like if only cops were allowed to have guns and nobody else was and police accountability mm-hmm. just went out the window i mean think about this we're all talking we're, we spent the last like two or three days in this country talking and focusing on police brutality, yet those same police that are, you know, being brutal and in some cases killing innocent people, we're supposed to just, like, allow them to come into our homes and confiscate our firearms? No, thank you. Yeah. So that's, like, definitely a double standard that I know those of us on the right see. Um, I don't know if anyone else does, and I'm not trying to make this super political, but, like, this is, this is one of the reasons why we favor mm-hmm. gun rights and gun ownership is because you can't always trust the police. Yeah. You just can't. They are infallible, you know, people who can be corrupt and make mistakes and do bad things just like the rest of us. And 
I'm sorry, but like, I'm not, we shouldn't, no one should be forced to hand over all their firearms um, to, a, to a corrupt or potentially brutal police system. Mm-hmm. Like, why would, how does that make sense? Yeah. I just don't trust people putting yeah. these stipulations on stuff. And you can say, well, we're not saying, like, everyone has to force or hand over all their guns, just like the, you know, the really bad ones. Well, you know what? Today it's like the, um, no, this is the one I start to sound like a gun nut, but today <laughs> today it's the AR-15s we have to hand over, and then, like, tomorrow it's the, you know, 22s, like, you know, handguns. Like, it doesn't, it's doesn't really end to protect us from ourselves to protect us from ourselves when really doesn't this show us more than anything that like we have a right to protect ourselves from those in power over us yes i don't want to get too deep into the gun thing because it's neither here nor there it's just one example but this does remind me of a fun little game I played that was also kind of like a hypothetical that played out on uh, one of the most recent editors' um, mm-hmm. podcasts. And it was proposed. Uh, so in um, in Michigan, there was a big rally, yeah. like anti-COVID. Well, was it anti-lock? They were protesting the lockdowns. Yes. Anti-lockdown rally kind of thing outside of the Michigan state. Yeah. Like capital, state capital building, and it was just like predominantly a lot of like white people, and a lot of people had these like crazy guns. Well, they were open carrying like their like rifles, yeah, basically. Okay. I see. I, I make it sound like, <laughs> it's, like really crazy. I mean, you. I mean, people look guns. at it and they're like, "They're scary guns," and I look at it, I'm like, "Oh, that's an AR-15, like whatever." I mean, I know. so it's basically I, a rifle. I just mean that to say. Um, so my reaction to situations like that is just like, oh my god, that's so embarrassing. Why are they doing that? Because yeah. I know the media is going to be like, look at all these right wing nuts, <laughs> like, like <laughs> just storming the Capitol. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, the um, the fun alternate universe scenario that was proposed on the editors was, what if, what if those were all black people and they were carrying the same guns? How then? Do both sides change the narrative and their reaction to it? Yeah. And I was like, ooh. Yeah. Interesting. Because then it would have, like, I mean, you can play this out in your mind. In my mind, I'm thinking uh, the mainstream media is like, oh, these brave people, like, processing for their rights. And then, like, people on the right, this sounds, like, so bad, so this is just, like, in my head. And the people on the right are like, that's scary. <laughs> the police, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, I just really like. I don't think that many black people could show up in a public place, obviously like open carrying, open carrying, and not have something bad s- happen. Scared white people, yeah, escalate the situation. Yeah, I just call, which is what call, you were... call me negative. I just. I don't see that playing out any other way, and I think that is, like, the best, like, <clears throat> so for for the the white people that did show up with all their guns, I feel like this is a instance of white privilege. Well, yeah. None of those people that showed up with those guns thought, 
Oh, I might bad, not. Bad I might things. not make it home tonight. Yeah, none because... of them thought they were going to get killed by the police right. by showing up like that. Um, I don't. I can't remember who I was talking to about this, but they're like, "Yeah, but you never see like a ton it of." It was black. me. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, "You don't see like you don't see a lot of black people like yeah. carrying like that." I was like, "Yeah, because I'm pretty sure they'd all be terrified that yeah. they die or like get thrown in jail or something." Yeah. And so, um, I think that right there is like the perfect hypothetical scenario of white privilege. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree. I think like, you know, as much as we can say, okay, maybe they were not breaking the law by showing up like that. And maybe they were perfectly within their rights, whether I would have done that or not, you know, I wouldn't have, but, um, yeah, you don't see black men doing that. And why not? Like, it's a question that I'd never asked myself before. Um, and you make a really good point. Like, they probably don't because they don't want to get shot. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just, I guess just to wrap all this up, it's just, there's a lot going on in the world today. Mm-hmm. Obviously, racial injustice is, has been a huge topic, like, the past few days, starting off with the Karen Central Park incident earlier this week. Mm-hmm. Well, really, the starting with the um, horrible, like, Georgia shooting, um, like, a couple weeks ago. But it's just kind of all culminated in the Central Park thing and then also in this horrible um, killing in uh, Minneapolis. And just, it made us think, like, we should, you know, those of us on the right should be having these uncomfortable conversations. Mm -hmm. And it it sucks because, like, I don't even like talking about it in terms of left versus right because it shouldn't be that way. But um, for too long, conservative women have just, like, kind of avoided these topics Mm -hmm. and been kind of defensive. I think it's okay to be sloppy because this Mm -hmm. is... And we're not going to say everything right or perfectly eloquent. And I think that's okay. This is, like, a learning, growing time. Yeah. And... And we don't want to ignore what's happening in the world today. And I'd rather ask for... Uh, forgiveness than for for permission to talk about this kind of stuff. Yeah. I know I'm probably doing it his poor job at really expressing the the appropriate way to talk about this and we'll get better you know not to like also bash conservative women i think like if we were to get a ton of conservative women in the room with us right now i would think i think a lot of them would be agreeing with a lot of this and not and and more more than probably people would expect i just think that it it's a scary subject and we're We've been like too nervous to talk about it publicly, mm-hmm. or I, just a lot of like I see a lot of pride. Yeah, people just push back immediately, like, like roll their eyes, like ugh. Right, like it's the ultimate like just defense mechanism type of thing because no one wants to be told that they're a bad person. Yeah, but I think the point you made earlier is a good one. If someone points out racism, like they're not calling you a bad person, they're just saying like maybe they are. I don't know, but the point is. We all have things that we could check about ourselves. And saying that, there's nothing wrong with saying that. Yeah, there's not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add some links in here, some interesting um, articles that I used as my basis for coming up yeah. with some of my thoughts. Please feel free to read it. Some of them are pretty punchy in the face. So um, 
But the conversation won't end here. No, and that's the whole point. Yeah. Just have a conversation. And this is not me being like, I'm 100% this. This is just me, hey. <laughs> like, we've been thinking about this a lot this week because everyone yes. else has. Yes. So, so um, I guess I will just leave it at, if you are, if you're a God-fearing person, if you believe in good versus evil, a higher spirit or whatever, I think we all just need to re-examine how we view ourselves and our attitude towards injustice in Mm -hmm. general. Um, Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, thank you everyone for tuning in again this week. Um, Again, apologies for our hiatus. It was not intentional per se, but um, we're still here and we got thoughts and we're sharing them. And I'm pretty sure you're going to have lots of thoughts after this, too. I know. And if it sounded like it was, like, a rambling conversation, that's because it was. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't necessarily know where we were going with this. We just knew that we wanted to talk about it. Yeah. And I think we did that, so. Yay, us. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. We'd love it and appreciate it. Recommend us to all your friends, family. Unless you hated this, then... You know, sorry. Um, Please be nice and don't leave a comment. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, once again, um, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Not Your Average Feminist Podcast. Until next time. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.